Welcome to Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, a podcast about discovering you are neurodivergent in adulthood. My name is Jordan Lane. Robbie is absent today, but joining me is Mr. David Levy, an ADHD counselor from the UK. He has recently launched his new website, ADHDcounseling.uk. That's counseling with two L's for our North American audience. And uh, yeah, he's here to kind of tell us today about his work and how he figured out that he himself is ADHD. Uh, So David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, so speaking of ADHD, uh, your T-shirt is a is a sort of riff on the ACDC logo that says ADHD. And I noticed, um, I, I watched that other interview you did. Uh, I forget the gentleman's name at the moment. Um, uh, his his addictions Khan. podcast, Nick Khan. Thank you. That's yeah. right. Conversations. Um, and and yeah, and I noticed uh, you were wearing a, a button, or I guess a I guess a badge you'd call it in the UK with the same logo on it. So mm-hmm. that was actually one of the things I was going to ask you about today is uh, is is where to get one of those. <laughs> Disappointingly simple answer for you. Which which is Etsy. Etsy, of course, of course. <laughs> well, it's a great shirt. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm rather fond of it. <laughs> I sort of, I wear it when I'm walking in the dog and I get some pretty strange looks. And, and, and do, you ever, do you ever get comments on it at all? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had some, I actually had someone once say to me, you know, that's a fake ACDC shirt. Oh, no kidding. Really? Tell me more. Who is this ACDC of which you speak? (laughs) Well, you know, ACDC for like an ADHD person is like crack, you know, just so I I was a massive ACDC fan. And then someone sent me like an example of the logo. And I was like, I wonder if they set it on like a mug or something. And then, you know, sort of however many tens of pounds later, I have a (laughs) T-shirt and a badge. And that was it. Oh, that's very funny. Um. So yeah, so uh, uh, like I said up front, uh, you recently launched your website, uh, ADHDcounseling.co.uk, or pardon me, .uk, not the .co. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. changed recently, I guess. Um, so yeah, uh, if you want to talk a little bit about that and about uh, your your background as an ADHD counselor and kind of how you came into that line of work. Sure. Um, shall I start at the beginning or start at the most recent bit? Which... Um, let's start at the website and then we'll so, work backwards into your, uh, your, okay. your counseling history. So um, ADHD Counseling UK is, as you say, is new website. Um, Basically, it was launched because I, when I was diagnosed a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. um, I went looking for ADHD specialists to help me out because there's an an emotional journey that goes on. I think when you're diagnosed as an adult, I mean, when I talk about it with clients, I often sort of liken it to a bereavement. You know, you go through all the stages of grief. Um, And basically what I found when I went looking for ADHD help and I saw five different counselors for just like initial sessions. Wow. I saw two people that basically told me it was anxiety. Mm. I had one person that said, and I'm quoting, yeah, but you're okay, aren't you? (laughs) And two people who listed ADHD, but then in the course of that first meeting said that they didn't actually work with it at all. Hmm. And that's frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Are you in the US or Canada? I can't Canada. Uh, yeah, Canada. Robbie's based out of Vancouver. I'm in Calgary. Okay. So I don't know what it's like in, in, in Canada, but, you know, here's sort of the, the counseling side. It's pretty much an, anybody can call themselves a counselor. Mm. Um, you know, and it's very, very easy to, to sort of mislead people. And I got very, very frustrated with it all and, you know, pretty disappointed, to be quite honest with you. Mm. And so I came up with this idea that I was going to launch a a sort of another side of my own business, which was looking at ADHD counseling. Um, And then it sort of gradually morphed into something else. And and hopefully 
what it is, is sort of a one-stop shop for every step of that journey with sort of the, the coming to realization that you might have something else going on, you know, and that something else might be ADHD. Mm-hmm. So there's an awful lot of information on there about what ADHD is, how you get diagnosed and, you know, the things that it's not. Um, it has on there sort of listings of events. Um, so one of the first things that happened after I got diagnosed was I decided that I wanted to try and raise some money for some ADHD charities. Um, again, the, the healthcare systems for you and I are relatively similar, but for people in North America, you know, we, we have the option of going through sort of the public healthcare system, but people were being faced with waits anywhere between 18 months to sort of four or five years, which is just mm-hmm. insane. Um, or they could have gone the route that I went, uh, which was to sort of just pay out of pocket for your diagnosis. But that was about a thousand pounds all in. And it was just beyond most people's sort of capabilities. So mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to raise some money for charity. I got ended up talking to a charity called ADHD UK. Um, they, they asked me what I did for a living. And then the next thing I knew, I was running support groups for people that were diagnosed or you know, not quite diagnosed yet and things like that. So it all sort of morphed into this idea and, and what came out of it all was ADHD counselling uh, UK and there's listings on there of, of counsellors that I personally vet to make sure that they have some kind of ADHD credentials, whether it's a lived experience or a, a working experience. Um, and the idea is that it's a place where people can go and get a realistic picture of what ADHD is and what the hell do you do about it? Because for them, it's one thing to be diagnosed as a child, but I think it's an entirely different experience. Well, obviously, it's an entirely different experience as an adult, mm-hmm. um, but there's so much, I mean, we call it the comorbidity. You know, there, there's right. so much it's more complicated than just being diagnosed ADHD. Yeah. Um, so something you mentioned, actually, there's a few things that I want to touch on that you mentioned there. Yeah. Uh, one was that you mentioned that that uh, ADHD counseling was going to be another side of an existing business. Uh, do, mm-hmm. do you want to tell us about that business at all? Sure. So, I mean, when I qualified as a counselor, I was just a counselor. You know, I was trained in a particular approach, which is psychodynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know what psychodynamic counseling is. I do not is. know. Okay. Um, it's, I, I, do, I won't bore you with it. No, I, I'm uh, uh, like like most ADHDers. If there's something that I've never heard before, uh, uh, I'm gonna be. You can you can tell me, or I can look up the Wikipedia in the background. <laughs> I'll try to look up the Wikipedia. It's terribly boring. Um, you're gonna end up with like a psychodynamic T-shirt that looks a bit like Metallica or something. Right. Um, well, psychodynamic is essentially saying that the events of the past affect who you are in the present. Sure. And okay. By by sort of a por- appropriately apportioning your emotional state to those events of the past and by processing your event, the sort of the feelings from the past, you can in fact find some kind of solution in the present to whatever it is that you're going through. That's, and that's the, yeah. So, so I'm just kind of curious um, that that's something that, you know, I've, I've heard before this kind of idea that, that anxiety is, is living in the future and depression is living in the past. Um, and, you know, before I came to the understanding that I'm an ADHD person, uh, like you, I had not necessarily been misdi- misdiagnosed, pardon me, but certainly, um, you know, since a teenager had been diagnosed depressive um, and, you know, dealt with a lot of that that similar kind of stuff. Um, oh, shoot, I, I actually just totally lost my train of thought there. <laughs> hey, they might have a name for that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, what, what, what was it that, that sparked that? Uh, what, what have we been talking about before? 
So you were talking about psychodynamic and I was talking about sort of the right. Yes. Um, so, so I'm curious if, if that's something that kind of uh, uh, helps you go back and specifically deal with uh, uh, past events that that say it, it, for someone like me, if I find myself dwelling on on things mm -hmm. in the past and that's affecting my present a lot, is that something mm -hmm. that that I should maybe look into? Sure. I mean, you know, the thing about it is when you, know, you think about yourself, probably I mean, for men, it's much longer than women, but, you know, certainly let's say for the first two decades of your life, the great likelihood is, is you're misinterpreting any number of things that are going on in your immediate world, but they have sure. a, a, a fundamental effect on who you are as a person and the building blocks of your characteristic. You know, the things that you might look back on in ver with very different eyes as an ad for your childhood experiences that, you know, it's, I, I would say it's, <sighs> A necessity that we do those things as adults wow. because you know we we spend so much of our time living sort of very unconsciously you know we're almost wired to sort of not think about things too much sure so you know we just go through life we react to people without thinking about i don't know what they might represent to us or some sort of symbolic sense of mm. a person or an object or an experience and you know despite what most people would like to tell themselves we are probably the least self-aware you know or the least aware of ourselves in our immediate worlds you know sure. despite the fact that everyone goes oh, i'm really really self-aware trust me you're not um <laughs> you know, so it, it sort of it can only benefit us now in the in the process of doing that it's possible that you might access something painful or sad or mm -hmm. but the reality is that as far as I'm concerned, and as far as my training tells me, is that you're living the result of that pain and that sadness anyway. Mm. The difference is, is if you don't go back and process it, you'll live it forever. Whereas if you spend that time, at least this is a little theory, you know, if you spend that time processing it in some way, then it has a sort of a finite effect and you can begin to build a more authentic self, a sense of yourself for your present. Wow, that sounds very powerful. Um, I got a lot other... of words. I'm ADHD. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, trust, trust me. Uh, uh, a lot of words are what the people are here for myself. included. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to touch on was uh, you, you mentioned kind of about uh, uh, the qualifications or credentials around yeah. uh, counseling. Um, so that as far as I know, in the States and here is a credentialed uh, sort of title. Mm -hmm. uh, so most people um, who aren't interested in going the kind of uh, clinical route uh, end up doing coaching instead. Mm -hmm. uh, co coach, I believe, is an unregulated term. You can get certified from different governing bodies and whatnot. But there's, if, if I put up my shingle today that says Jordan Lane coach, there's nothing that anyone can do about that for, for better and worse. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. with coaches, it's a bit like you could declare yourself, you know, managing director of the Canadian Podcast Network. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's true all of a sudden you're the managing director of the canadian podcast network yeah no uh, coaching is a bit is like that i mean there are some changes being made here to sort of life coaching um there are a lot of more proper looking courses being introduced and, and proper training but as long as that as long as it is so unregulated and there are so many other options out there mm -hmm. they're unlikely to really take off and the regulation around sort of mental health treatment here in the UK is pretty poor. And actually, rather concerningly, it's getting poorer. Um, mm. But yes, I mean, counselor is not a protected term. Anybody can call themselves a counselor, but the diff a lot of sort of the um, 
directory websites, for example, they require that you are a member of a particular body. Right. And, and to be a member of that body, you have to have completed training. So if you're not going to do the training and you just want to call yourself a counselor, you better be willing to throw a, a whole lot of money at your Google AdWords right. advertising or something because if you're going to struggle. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so another thing you mentioned earlier, uh, you mentioned that you had been doing a, a living with ADHD support group. Um, mm. So before, again, before I, I got my ADHD diagnosis, um, I started uh, a, a kind of support group for men struggling with anxiety and depression, not as a, a licensed counselor or anything, but just as like a hey, here's something that I'm dealing with too. And uh, I know a lot of people who are too broke to afford uh, seeing someone. So let's get together and talk about it on Zoom. Um, and yeah, and you know, I, I feel like that even with, you know, I draw fairly strict boundaries about like, we're not, nobody's allowed to kind of help each other or try and take on each other's problems and things. It's just to talk and to listen. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's benefited myself and I think the people that come to it enormously. And, and yeah, I'm curious to uh, hear you talk about, about your sessions that you run. Sure. Um, so... They're, as much as they're sort of the headline is that they're facilitated by a counsellor, mm -hmm. I a bit of sort of, uh, I'll try and use a term maybe, maybe that works for North American audiences, um, you know, a bit of inside baseball is that sure. actually I make quite a big point of standing back in those groups. So I really am just mm -hmm. the facilitator. I'm the right. person that talks in between the speakers. And the reason for that being is that I think that it's, and perhaps this sort of ties in what, what you're saying, Jordan, is that what I don't want it to be is a question and answer session for a counselor. What I really want it to be is that the people that come to these groups, almost universally, they face that same problem that you face, that I faced, you know, a feeling of alienation, a feeling of something not quite being right, but we're not quite sure what, you know, a, a feeling of frustration, a, a sort yeah. of an internalized sense of failure because well, it must be me because I've tried everything. You know, I've tried every diet. I've tried every notebook or diary or hobby. You know. And the power, I think, in those groups is in seeing a mirrored version of yourself and realizing that there's a whole community of people that have been through that same experience and that same journey. So the support groups really are there for that. We, we do two different kinds. Um, so I run them sort of fortnightly. Um, so the first, the first one we would do is a more general support group. So it's for people who are diagnosed or not diagnosed, doesn't really matter. Um, I don't throw anybody out of my rooms unless, you know, they're doing something really terrible. Sure. Um, you know, and that's just really for people to share their experiences, um, to talk a little bit about, you know, what they're going through, where they are in the journey, the questions they might have. And, and I always make a point when we sort of have these speakers, I'll ask them if they have any questions they want answered that day. And then, you know, in my very frustrating therapy kind of way, not answer them at all. Just <laughs> wait, wait for the room to, to sort of answer them for them. Right. Um, and then we, the sort of the other group that we do is called ADHD in relationships. And this originally mm -hmm. started as a sort of a couples group, but now it's really, it's for couples, it's for families, it's for individuals. And really it's, it's for everybody diagnosed or not to, to come along and to talk about the ways that ADHD have, has experienced their, uh, has sort of, my train of thought has now gone, no, has sort of affected their relationships and things right. like that. Uh, you know, and we have some of the best speakers that we have there are, you know, partners of, of people that have got ADHD, 
you know, and like you'll see in sort of the Zoom window, you know, like the whole family sitting around the laptop and they're talking about their dad who's just been diagnosed at 50 odds or whatever. Right. You know, and, uh, and they're they're really powerful groups and they're really, really interesting. And, you know, like they're free and, you know, they run as part of a charity and that there's the sort of the stories that come out of it and the inspiration that comes out of it. But and, and just the resilience, I think, that comes out of it is really is really something. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot to deal with the the adult diagnosis process, and there's like you said, it's a whole it's a whole bereavement process. You go through the whole all, all the stages of it. Um, so so yeah, I'm kind of curious then if if that seems like a good segue for for you to maybe tell us about about how you came to understand that you have ADHD. Sure. Or actually, I, I guess I'm kind of curious what your this is something Robbie and I have talked about before on the show about about your preferred nomenclature. Do, do you have ADHD? Uh, are you ADHD? Are you an ADHD? Or what? What do you prefer? Uh, I have never thought about it before. <laughs> before Perfect. this question, um, I I don't know that I have a preference. Me neither. I still say have ADHD all the time, but uh, the, I, I understand why some people have a perceived negative connotation to that. But uh, if we're both feeling okay about it, then I will just say, how did you come to understand that you have ADHD, David? Sure. I'm just thinking like the like my other parts of my identity. You know, I would right. say I am. I'm Jewish, so I guess I am ADHD. Let's go with that. Sure, um, awesome. How did I go? How did I? Uh, how did I come to ADHD? Well, um, I guess like a lot of ADHD people, I spent an awful lot of my life falling short. Mm. Not quite sure why. Um, had a terrible, terrible school experience, despite the fact that I was you know, pretty intelligent. I mean, I'm, you know, um, I when I went to my secondary school, which is the school you go to between sort of eleven and sixteen, and then sixteen to eighteen here in the UK, I. We, we operated a system in my school. It was a school that was oh, like 350 years old. You know, it's a pretty old fashioned. And wow. you, you started off sort of segregated in your classes by your abilities. Mm. And because I interviewed very well for the school and I spoke well and I was articulate and everything else, I started off every single class at the top. And by the time that I left school, which was at 16, because I was essentially thrown out at 16, wow. I was in the bottom of everything. And, and it was, unfortunately, it was sort of this magical mixture of being an ADHD kid. And I think those sort of ADHD parts of me developing at that age, parents who, you know, weren't as active as they might have been in and sort of were recognizing the symptoms. I mean, you know, we're talking about the mid 1990s here. So, you know, it's not exactly a hotbed of neurodiverse awareness sure. um, and, and a school, unfortunately, that was sort of wired for separating the 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 sort of the troubled kids and the good kids mm -hmm. because that's just sort of it's a very british old school mentality you know sort of like the class system you know once you're right. in the lower classes forget it um and so i sort of muddled along for a very long time and i went through my own therapy experiences and i you know started to make some progress and i had reached a point in my life where i wanted to try something new and i i began to train to do the job that i do now and it was absolute hell um <laughs> it really was it was just every single moment was like dragging myself through a river of shit wow you know and it was sort of it, right at the end we had to write the equivalent of a dissertation to mm -hmm. complete our qualification and like like a good adhd -er, I uh, put it off until the last minute. 
<laughs> and I had this day where, you know, despite the fact that I've never sat down for more than about 20 minutes in my life to do any concentrated work, the plan was I had this entire day, like nine or 10 hours, or I was going to sit in front of my laptop and really bash out this thing. And I sat in front of my laptop that day and I wrote 76 words. <laughs> in between writing hundreds of words and deleting them, fidgeting, getting up, making a coffee, going to do something else, you know, answering the door, even if I didn't want to, you know, like, oh, you want to talk about charity? Great. I've got an hour. No problem. Let's talk about it. <laughs> you know, anything and everything, sure. other than, you know, and I remember at the end of that day, sitting down and just thinking to myself, like, this, this, this isn't right. You know, like, this isn't about effort. This isn't about lack of interest. This isn't right. about, you know, there is something in the way here that goes beyond laziness or not fulfilling potential and it took a while you know I sort of I started to look at things like dyspraxia and dyslexia and it didn't quite make sense and it was actually it was a client of mine had talked about ADHD mm. and I had one of those moments where he talked about things and and I don't know if you've ever had it where you have one of those realizations that sort of hits you so deep that your stomach flips mm. and that was me Right. And I just sat there in that session with him and my God, is that what it is? Is that what it's been this whole time? And I, obviously I needed to know straight away. Uh, so rather than even look at the, the public option for it, I, I sort of, I Googled ADHD assessors in, in my area. And, you know, three months later, I'd been, I'd been diagnosed, um, you know, with the words that rang in my ear, which were, David, this wasn't a particularly difficult diagnosis to make. <laughs> oh, you know, it's it's funny how how so much of that is just a matter of perspective. Um, so so for me, uh, uh, like you, I grew up. Uh, so I was born in '82. You know, came of age in the mid '90s. So same sort of thing. It really wasn't, uh, as you as you said, a, a hotbed of neurodiverse awareness at the time. Um, but further to that, there there was difficulties for me in kind of getting recognized as being uh, an ADHD or because um, you know my symptoms typically presented as ha as what people think of as, as girl ADHD, mm. quote unquote. So that is to say, it's largely internal. It's it's mostly in my brain. I've never been super or running around or getting into fights as a kid or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and yeah, and so, so I'm kind of curious if that, if that plays to your experience too, because it sounds like, you know, you, you went under the radar for a long time. And I'm just kind of curious what, you know, what, what, what your symptoms look like. What does ADHD look like for you as an individual? Uh, well, I mean, I couldn't study. Mm. I couldn't do anything unless I was interested in it. Um, I was constantly distracted, constantly cut with ideas and not finishing them um you know i was very very creative and, and smart and and interested you know and i would pick up books and i would love to read and you know i'd get to page 10 and i'd be totally forgot what happened on page one to nine you know <laughs> and i think it's almost easier to ask me in hindsight not what were the signs of adhd but what were the signs that i didn't because it's a much right. shorter list. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so, so going back to what you were saying there about it taking a long time, like same thing, um, uh, you know, 
when I did eventually get uh, assessed for it, I was 38 and it was through my GP who mm -hmm. is the same person I've been seeing since I was five. Um, and so that was a very funny kind of similar experience to yours mm -hmm. where I came in and my where I said, you know, my counselor uh, suggested that I should maybe look into having like that I might have ADHD. And my doctor just sort of thought about it for a second was like, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, you kind of tick all the boxes, but of course it's just like you, you, you get so used to the people around you and, and, and their sort of quirks and things like that. And it's, it's hard as someone on the inside to kind of notice that. Um, so, you know, since, since figuring it out for myself, uh, you know, I sent initially along to my parents, you know, like, here's a couple of books that I want you to read to kind of get to understand me a little bit better better and then it was I had my suspicions at the time but it was wasn't hard to draw the links and figure out that my dad is also ADHD and so you know it's it's again these are sort of they were there was even less awareness uh for for either gender of this kind of stuff at the time when they were growing up of course it, dad was just a bad kid <laughs> and so so I'm kind of curious like how your understanding of your younger self and, and and kind of your childhood self and your family dynamic and all of these other sorts of things have changed uh since your discovery and of course uh keep it as, as broad or as personal as you'd like to absolutely it's fine i mean i think that my my view of these things has always been clouded by the fact that my childhood story is is also atypical of someone who might also develop things like anxiety and depression and a lot of the things that sort of show up in an adult who also has ADHD. Mm. You know, I did I moved around a lot when I was a very young kid. I had seven different primary schools. Wow, which is just insane. Um, you know, never really had any roots. Never really had a sort of a sense of self. So you would be expecting a naughty kid at eleven. <laughs> right. You know, if I wasn't a naughty kid at 11, something else quite sinister was probably going on. Um, <laughs> looking back on it now, I mean, there's a question that I had for you, actually, while, while you sure. were talking about think, your thing, which was about, well, this guy with your GP since you were five, and it took you to advise him. I mean, didn't that make you furious? Because now when I look back, I, I see a number of missed opportunities. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I'm in a much better place with it than I was in sort of the immediate aftermath of my diagnosis. But certainly, you know, when I look back at the younger kid, I mean, I see all of those things, but I can, I only feel sympathy for that young kid. Right. Um, no, to, to be honest, uh, there was my, my experience after getting diagnosed, the emotions were al almost overwhelmingly relief and and um yeah i guess yeah relief is really the word at, at just kind of having something to point to to say like oh this wasn't some character flaw this wasn't uh, uh you know me being a bad kid as, as as you said but this is this is something that was kind of outside of my control i understand it now and and i have tools to or developing tools to deal with it but no you know like um the, there's it's funny i've talked about this before too with like starting counseling and stuff and and you know you can reflect on things in your past and be like oh man that was like a really shitty thing that my family member did but you know you haven't thought about it with like a critical eye or whatever uh, uh since you were a kid and really revisited like hey what does that mean but i'm not I, I never find myself anything other than like maybe sad or or mostly just happy for the understanding but anger's not really a part of it because mm -hmm. you know as as much trouble as i've had in my life i know that at all times i have been doing the best that I could with the tools I had available to me. And I, I, I like to give everybody else in my life the benefit of the doubt. You know, like my, my, my GP, uh, sure, there were probably many opportunities that if she had been more aware of kind of how these things present and more aware of the 
literature at the time and blah, 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 that maybe I could have got that sooner in my life would be different. But on the other hand, you know, I don't think, like, I think you talked a little bit about on Nick Khan's show, it wasn't even added to the DSM till the 80s. Mm. Uh, so, so, you know, I can't, uh, well, I, I, maybe I can, uh, maybe I'm being too forgiving, but I, I feel like, um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just grateful to get it. And I really don't bear any kind of uh, resentment or anger about it. It's mostly just kind of like relief and, 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 I'm just glad that I can get somewhere now and, and, and knowing that there's, that I guess that it is possible to make change and it's not just sort of something that I'm stuck in and I have no control over for the rest of my life. So. Do you take medication? Uh, yeah, that's I a do. forbidden question. Um, no, no, no. Um, yeah, we've talked to, most of the people we've talked to on the show, I feel like do, uh, uh, a few don't. Um, yeah, so I do take, um, uh, one of the methamphetamine derivatives. I can't remember what it's called right now. Um, yeah, and so I've been on that just under two years now, I think. Um, and yeah, and that's that's really has helped a lot, especially with like what I previously kind of took as depressive symptoms, which is like that 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 executive functioning, that getting up and getting going in the morning and kind of like um, figuring out just like what the next step of life is. Having a little bit more kind of dopamine floating around has really helped out with that. Um, are, are you? Yes, absolutely. So yeah. I, I take um, so I take 60 milligrams of I think you guys call it Vivans. Sure. Um, so I take 60 milligrams of that every day. And then I have uh, dexamphetamine, like a top up thing. Um, right which uh, I take in the afternoon if and when I need it. Cool. Um, yeah, let me see here. I guess I, I don't really think I have a whole lot else for you um, unless there's any particular kind of areas of your work or your life or your life you'd like to dive into a little bit more. I mean, I, I, I guess what I would like to do Jordan, sure. is about sort of your opinion on the state of sort of ADHD awareness and neurodiverse awareness, because I think there's, there's a, there's a huge debate that goes on amongst sort of like the informed and uninformed. And it's sort of, well, on the one hand, you have those that are sort of like, they'll say things like, well, yes, you know, I get that sometimes. And I, and I often say to sure. people, you know, in our support groups, I'll often say, well, we all can't hear sometimes doesn't make us all deaf, you know, and they, they sort of, well, you know, it's, it's too much, you know, it's, it's thrown too much. And, and then those that say that it's not enough. And I was wondering just from your perspective, if you have any thoughts about that. Um, so I'm, I'm personally of the opinion that, uh, uh, that, that, that self-diagnosis is valid, um, for most types of neurodivergence, I would say. Um, and, and so, because I really, in my opinion, it's kind of like, if you, if you, if you get yourself wrong, hopefully that will get ironed out in time and you'll kind of get towards a correct thing. But, um, you know, like when I got my ADHD diagnosis, there's a number of different ways in which I relate to how autistic people present as well. And so that was something that I was really kind of thinking about for a long time. But, you know, the more I looked into it, the more reading I did, it was like, okay, no, there's a number of boxes that I tick, but I'm pretty sure I'm just regular quote unquote ADHD and not ADHD autistic. Um, but yeah, that's, I, so, so I think that there is so much more awareness of this stuff and it, it, it becomes, you know, um, it, 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 the media can kind of play it sometimes as like, is TikTok, uh, uh, making people have ADHD or are people discovering this because, uh, uh, there is that sort of awareness. Um, so I, I think that the more people that are talking about this stuff and, and are aware of it, I think that that is overall a good thing. 
that may mean that some people kind of uh, uh, self-assess as false positives or what have you. But again, I think that that's a pretty small bridge to cross if that's getting you towards figuring out who you really are, whatever that means. Um, but then the other side of it is that awareness, it, it, this is sort of maybe more along, I guess, like the, 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 the corporate idea of like awareness or whatever is there's only so far that it goes, you know, like, like awareness is great. It's great that people are aware of, of, you know, so to use kind of a darker example, there, there's a huge problem right now in Alberta with, um, with overdoses because we have a really unsafe drug supply. And so that's something where like it, are, are people aware of this? Yes. And that's great. But until there are, there's something to go with that awareness to actually help fix the problem and, and, and help serve the people who are affected by the problem, awareness really can be kind of, kind of a bandaid, you know, you, you, you put a little button on that says I voted and then you can kind of like absolve yourself of any further responsibility. And I feel like people with power, uh, kind of use that end of awareness a lot to kind of hand wash a little bit and, and spend the money on on getting marketing out to kind of ally their business with something that people see as a positive. But it is kind of it's it's defanged without anything to actually kind of deal with the problem, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think I broadly agree with that. I guess what you have, and maybe this is, I don't know, maybe I'm not hearing what you're saying, but maybe it's, is the difference, and I often say this again to, to clients, and I'm sure anybody that's listening to this that has me as their therapist has probably said, yeah, I've heard that millions of times. It's it's the <laughs> difference between an excuse and a reason. Sure, and, absolutely. You know that for a lot of people, they're, they're looking for something to sort of lump whatever's going on for them onto that and go, oh, well, yeah, I miss. And, and for us and for those that are, that are diagnosed with it, it is just a reason for things happening. And I think there's, it's an important difference to make because you and I are lucky in, in as much as we have our diagnosis and it sounds like we are at places of relative peace with where we are in the world with ADHD. I've come across more people than I can count that are not and are still working through that thing of, well, those around me aren't really interested in hearing the fact that I've got ADHD, you know, or it's, you know, like I'm hearing, oh, it's a made up thing or you know it's like oh that's for young boys as you know it's for kids grow up and it can be very easy to internalize that thing of well am i just making excuses and like you know, sure but it's not it, it is the actual reason why these things are happening and that is if i could impress anything on people that have adhd it would be just to you, you have to kind of work with it and you know you have to accept that it is a, a driving force that goes beyond your control or choice right um so obviously there's no one size fits all but but i guess what do you have any sort of broad suggestions for how people can work with it for how they can work with adhd sure yeah sure i mean i think that for adults especially uh, this might be a slightly longer answer than you you were anticipating I'm, but I'm hey here all day <laughs> it's, it's adhd um i i think that certainly when you're new to medical and things like that, I think it seems that what happens is that people begin to find an authentic version of themselves. Mm. And I would encourage people to really indulge that. Um, I think that the other thing that I perhaps would also say is that we become very used to certain aspects of our lives sort of pre-diagnosis. You know, that 
we get a certain set of learned characteristics. You know, we anticipate, for example, the moment it's all going to come crashing down, right. the moment it's all going to screw a moment that it's going to go wrong. And actually, as a medicated person, as somebody who's playing on a level playing field, there's, it might not. And, and that, that waiting part where you, you're sort of like, well, all my other experiences are screwed up, so surely this one's going to come, actually takes away from the, the real celebration and the joy of the present success because you're just forever like, I can't get too carried away or I can't get too excited. You know, uh, beyond that, I would just say dive headfirst into every bit of psychoeducation you can because the more you know about what you're living with, the more you can work with it. And the more you can understand yourself and, and you know, find forgiveness for the parts that are involuntary and embrace the real version of yourself. And, uh, I, you know, that's been, I think, the greatest gift, you know, the sort of like the coming out of the closet as ADHD and being that very kind of authentic version of myself and having people go almost sort of shrug their shoulders and go, OK, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> you know, well, do you want another drink or should we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, yeah, that's, I, again, like I said, I, I really don't have a whole lot else to chat about, I don't think. But um, uh, thank you very much for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure to get to know you and to chat. And um, yeah, again, check out uh, check out David's website, ADHDcounseling2ls.uk. Uh, and um, yeah, are, is there anything else that uh, you kind of wanted to um, steer the, the listeners towards? I mean, I guess one last thing just worth mentioning is that so the support groups that I run, the ADs, so they are with a UK charity and they are run at UK time. So uh, they, you know, we run them from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. I don't know, what is it, GMT or whatever they call it? I don't know. Um, But they are open to everybody. And I don't know if there are, you know, sort of international equivalents. I'm going to guess there might very well be, but... You know, if, if the timings work out and you find yourself on a lunch break and you need a free support group and you want to talk about ADHD, we don't exclude on basis of diagnosis and we don't exclude on basis of accent. So everybody's welcome. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure to include those links in the, uh, the, the episode cool. body along with your website. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, I guess... Uh... Oh, you know what? Let, let's say I got one more thing for you here. Um, so you Excellent. mentioned uh, before about, um, uh, you know, diving headfirst into, into as much kind of literature as you can. So let's say that that I just came to you and I said, 15 minutes ago, I got diagnosed ADHD. What's the first uh, book I should read or YouTube video I should watch or something like that? I, I would say subscribe to the Holy Shit, I Have ADHD podcast, surely. <laughs> that, that's where everybody goes first. Well, absolutely. They? But let's let's say now <laughs> that uh, the, the, tragically our, our podcast transmitter burned to the ground. What would be this yeah. runner-up? <laughs> what would be the runner-up? Um, that's a very good question. There are some really, really good um, videos on YouTube who, whose names don't immediately come to me, I'm afraid. I'm very happy to look them up afterwards because they'll be in my watch history I'd love uh, and that, i'll yeah. send it to you um of the podcast that you mentioned um the conversations with nick compost if you'll excuse me some shameless self-promotion no here. please nick himself is also adhd but for the purposes of our conversation he was asking me questions as though he wasn't i mean right. he knew the answer to so give me the opportunity to express in my own unique way uh the very basics of adhd right uh, and i think that 
you know, I find myself often just referring to that as a shorthand because it's relatively short. I'm relatively animated. I move my hands quite a lot when I talk. So that helps for ADHD people when they're looking into stuff. And it does give a kind of a broad, simplistic understanding of ADHD. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also say, again, you know, the, the information for ADHD is, is everywhere, you know, and it can become overwhelming to Google it and, you know, you sort of hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of results. So I have made a point in my new website to try and make it as ADHD as friendly as possible. It is written in the most simplistic language I can possibly imagine. Um, and it's as straightforward as I can possibly make it. So perhaps I would say go there too. Excellent. ADHD counseling, two L's dot UK. Check it out folks. David Levy, thank you so much for joining me on the Holy Shit I Have ADHD podcast. And folks, we will see you next time.